0: Welcome to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast, Jackie Ressler, a divorce financial planner with almost 25 years experience, and myself, Melissa Freidenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. We are both certified divorce financial analysts and your co-hosts. If you're thinking about divorce or in the process of divorce, this is a time for you to take a deep breath and give yourself permission to gain clarity on the financial decision they're facing. While the term wealth typically refers to money and possessions, we know that truly being wealthy means a whole lot more. Together with our guests on this podcast, we will help you live wealthy after divorce. Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. This week, our guest is Jamie Wilkerson. Welcome, Jamie. Melissa. Jamie is a CPA with over 20 years experience. She has worked with many of my clients and we also did a podcast on our 52 Pearls series. Actually, it still is today our most downloaded, most popular episode. So we decided to kind of tackle the same subject today, which is tax considerations For recent divorcees, Jamie, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Not only is she a CPA, but she also went through her own divorce. So this is something that she knows very well. And we're so thankful that you're here to share with us today.
1: Well, thank you. No pressure there at all. (laughs) It's intimidating, isn't it? And maybe something that people don't think about when they're going through a divorce that they need to consider their tax situation.
0: So, Absolutely. Not only is it confusing. I mean, it's confusing for married people as well. Let's be honest. The tax code is something that a lot of people need help with. But then, I think going through a divorce, especially if your spouse handles a lot of that, you're exactly. just not sure.
1: well, that and typically, one spouse does handle the tax that's one of the you know divisions of labor in a marriage. You know, one person does all the taxes, so one can feel very uncomfortable with the new position.
0: Yeah. And you know, I've also noticed there's just so many decisions. The year you go through a divorce, there's so many things. You're just tired of making decisions. So So, I've had people. And and there's things you,
1: and emotionally, you're just not thinking about business decisions. You're thinking about holidays and who gets kids and that stuff. So
0: let's start with the basics. You're going to file. What are some of the things you have to determine as far as your filing status?
1: Well, the first thing to know is, you know, you've been all these years you've been filing um, married filing joint when you get divorced, you're not going to be filing married filing jointly anymore, you're either going to be head of household or you're going to be single. And If you divorce even on December 30th, it's whatever that status is on December 31st. So you might divorce February 1st, you might divorce April 1st, whatever you are on December 31st is your status for the whole year. So if you know in February that you're going to get a divorce by the end of the year, you should already go to your employer and make changes to your paychecks. You want to fill out a new W-4, which tells your employer you're either single head of household. And then you can get the exact amount taken out per paycheck. so that at April 15th, you don't have a big surprise.
0: By the end of the year, you're going to be divorced. You might be not withholding enough is what you're... Exactly. Exactly. So you want
1: to try to make those changes early in the year if you know that this is a process you're going through.
0: Oh, that's great advice. What are your filing options if you're not filing married joint? You're either going to be head of household or you're going to be
1: single. And head of household is the preferred one to be because you get a higher standard deduction. And a standard deduction reduces your taxable income. The person who gets head of household is the person that has the children more than 50% of the
0: time. If you're divorced but there were no children, then your only option is single. Then you're single, period. Okay. Story? Yeah. <laughs> Just want to clarify. So if you have like a 60-40 custody split and you mm-hmm. get the kids 60% of the time, then you could claim the head of household, which would be an advantage over filing single.
1: And only one of you can be head of household unless you, if you split the kids up, which is rare, but it happens sometimes. That's the only time that both ex-spouses can be head of household.
0: So that would be an advantage then if you had like 50-50 custody or like 100% custody of one child and 100% of... Yeah. And number of dependents that you get to claim are different. Are different, exactly.
1: So let's talk about dependents. So in your divorce decree, like if you have two children, you can decide that each person will get one child. That's fine. And you can write it, that one spouse always gets them or you can write it that you'll alternate years. So that's something that you decide in your divorce decree. And it does not have anything to do with head of household or filing single.
0: See, this stuff gets so complicated. I mean, <laughs> if you, like I said, are through kind of in a fog during your divorce and you don't remember what you decided in the uh-huh. divorce process, it, it would be written in your divorce decree. You could go back and see who gets to claim who in what year, right? That's right. And
1: let's talk about, Melissa, why we want those dependents. And also, sometimes when you're doing your divorce decree, you might negotiate with your partner based on who makes a higher income. Because a lot of these credits that you might get for a dependent phase out based on income. So it might be more advantageous for the lesser income spouse to get the
0: so you might agree at the beginning of that okay that makes sense mm-hmm. so let's talk about the different credits that are available what are the common ones that you may be able to claim okay if you have a dependent okay the
1: first one I'll talk about is the child tax credit and that is a credit for each child you have until they reach 17 and it is two thousand dollars a year and a credit is a dollar for dollar. With the tax code, it's just like writing a check to the IRS for $2,000. So it's a pretty good deal. It's a good deal. So your child tax credit is worth $2,000 and it does phase out though. So if your income, if you're single, it'll start phasing out if you make over $200,000 a year.
0: Let me just mention that it is... July of 22, because if you're listening to this and it's a different year, things can change on these. So any information specific would be in the year 2022 that we're talking about.
1: That is correct. Could change every year. So $2,000 for children under 17. And there's also a credit for 500 per child if they are going to college. And that is good until they're 24, if they're still a student. And here's something else I want to mention while we're on that topic. a lot of times when you write your divorce decree, you only write it for minor children. So that ends at 18. So I would encourage people in their divorce decree to, to write these dependents out as long as they are in college, as long as they are eligible to be a dependent. Don't stop just when they're minors.
0: That's great advice. Yeah, I do usually see 18, a lot of the stuff in the decree just stops.
1: And that's normal. That's very normal. I see it all the time. But they can be your dependent until they graduate from college.
0: And even beyond these days, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. What other advantages do you get or options for credits?
1: Well, and the next credit is the college tuition credits, and they are worth up to $2,500 per college student.
0: Okay. You would have to be claiming this child as a dependent. You would have to be claiming them as a
1: dependent. That's the person who is eligible to get these credits. Once you start making $90,000, it starts phasing out Okay, as a single person.
0: That is because it may be that you are able to claim that child as a dependent, but your spouse might be paying for college.
1: doesn't matter who's paying. They could even be on loans. But if they're your dependent, you're eligible for that credit.
0: It's good to clarify. And these are things, again, you know, not just for divorcees, but these are things that trip up people like myself too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It gets very complicated when they go to college. <laughs> yes. Which is why we always recommend using a CPA, especially just to make sure that you're getting all the things you're eligible for as far as credits. So well, you don't, you don't want to miss a $2,500 credit. Right. Anything else as far as claiming children as dependents? Yeah. That you think so if case? your children are younger, um, and if your
1: children are under 13 and you pay for daycare or camps while you're working, you are eligible for a child care credit. And that is 4000 per child maximum. If you have multiple children, if you have two children, that could be worth eight thousand dollars. The max you can get, no matter how many children you have, is sixteen thousand. But that's a very valuable um, credit there. And again, there's phase outs for that too.
0: It has to be officially a daycare with a tax ID, does. Uh, or a nanny or something like that, where their taxes are being where they're claiming it. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Okay, just one. Yeah, it can't
1: out. be. It can't be your mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, oh, it should I, I imagine that's probably fun stuff when you are helping people with their taxes well people
1: are disappointed that they can't take the credit but you can't take it if you're not you know if it's not
0: an eligible payment exactly I mean childcare is extremely expensive oh, We know that
1: is. but and um, this is a great credit and they've uh, something else about this credit it's called a refundable credit So it means even if your tax liability is zero, you can still get the $4,000 from the
0: government. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really good to know and a great tip. Now, moving away a little bit from dependents or children, Uh because I I imagine there may be some listeners that that don't have kids involved. Let's talk about taxation of assets that you may be awarded in the divorce. Oftentimes, especially if one spouse didn't work, there's sort of a, a true up or an equalization of retirement assets, sometimes in a 401k with a current employer and sometimes with an IRA outside of an employee plan. Uh-huh. And especially if the divorcing spouse didn't work, they may need some income above and beyond whatever spousal support they're awarded. So uh-huh. Let's talk about the taxation of those retirement assets should you need to use them. What are people's options with an IRA? With
1: your IRA, if you withdraw it, then um, you are subject to your ordinary tax rates.
0: And if you withdraw it as a lump sum, you've got ordinary tax rates plus a penalty if you're under 59 and a half,
1: right? penalty if you're under 59 and a half. There's a few ways to avoid that penalty, In an IRA, if you want to take it in what they call equal periodic payments, until you reach 59 and a half, you can avoid the penalty. And that's a way to supplement your income if you feel like your income is going to be lower.
0: Yeah. And that's probably especially helpful for people close to that 59 and a half because it is based off of a calculation on your age. So you would get more income, say, if you're 55 and you just need to supplement until you're able to take retirement income. And uh-huh. that could be, you know, it's called a 72T. And uh-huh. that could be a great option for people. Yeah. In yeah. the case of divorce, even if it's not your IRA, uh-huh. if it's awarded, you would need to set up an IRA in your name Correct. to receive those funds. Correct. And so it's-, it's and, and there's no tax
1: at the time that you're transferring assets.
0: Right. So as long as you don't touch them until you're 59 and a half, if you're just basically putting them in an IRA in your name. Correct. Then there will not be tax or penalty on that. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, just to add some confusion, things are a little (laughs) different if it's a retirement plan with an employer. One thing I will mention, just because I see this all the time, When those assets are divided, when you get your divorce decree, if it says you're entitled to a certain percentage of an employer plan, Uh you still have an additional step of needing to have a quadro drafted in order Uh to get those assets in your name. And sometimes I've noticed lately it's been taking three to six months in some cases to get those. Yep. So I do just like to mention that because if people need to supplement their income or take money out of what they're awarded from those retirement assets, you do have to keep in mind that there's some administrative time even after that quadro is drafted and you're likely looking, I tell people, to be prepared to wait six months to have access. That is correct. Yep.
1: And it's based on um, the plan rules too.
0: Likely there'll be um, the name of a company that drafts quadros in there that you will need to hire after the divorce and send them the decree. And then they will draft a document that will then be signed by your ex-spouse and the judge. And then it can go to your ex-spouse's employer. And at that point, as far as taxes go, when you contact them about receiving the funds that you are set up to be a payee on, you are eligible to take money from the retirement account in a lump sum, and I should say in a lump sum that would not be receiving a 10% penalty if you're under 51 right. and a half, but you are going to pay ordinary income tax on that distribution. That's correct, yeah. So that's something to mention because I know I've recently come across a few post-divorce A clients, or I should say in the process of going through a divorce now, and they're thinking about how they're going to have a down payment for a house and they're thinking about using some money from the retirement assets. And that's fine, except for if you take a hundred thousand out, that's gonna be a hundred thousand at ordinary income, right?
1: That's right. So, you know, you can just count on twenty-five percent of it going to
0: taxes. Yep. Yeah, and there is a mandatory twenty percent withholding. So if you ask for a hundred. Mm -hmm. You got to clarify.
1: That's 20% Mm -hmm. for federal, but state is a thing
0: too. So there'll be. Oh, no. I mean, obviously you're going to owe more taxes, but you don't even get that lump sum. That's right. Amount When you get the check, it's going to be a check less 20%.
1: So that is something to definitely be aware of.
0: Absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. People might wonder what else might be taxable when they're transferring assets like the house. Do I have to pay taxes if I'm awarded the house? The only time you pay taxes is when you sell it. So when you do sell the house, there is it, it may be taxable at that point. And a house does have a very generous tax break. If you're married, first five hundred thousand gain on selling a house is tax free. If you're single, it's two hundred fifty thousand. But that's a um, huge tax advantage that most assets don't have. So maybe something to think about when you're splitting assets. If you're awarded a pre-tax stock account, you have to pay tax on all those capital gains when you sell it.
0: Okay. Now what happens if you're awarded, and when you say pre-tax, meaning like a non-retirement investment account? Uh-huh. So if you're awarded a non-retirement investment account and you put half of it in your name, it's usually possible, depending on, you know, what assets it's in to move that without selling.
1: That's right. And when you do, you get your whatever the basis was, you don't get an, what's called a step up basis. Like it's not the time of transfer, whatever those assets were bought during your marriage that cost basis transfers over with
0: it. And that means that so do the taxes on those gains. So something to consider. That's how you calculate them. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about using those assets to either supplement your income or to, again, put a down payment on a house, if you were not awarded the house, that is certainly something you want to consider that after you pay taxes on that amount, that it may not be worth as much. Correct. Now, what other things are, might be surprising that they're taxed as far as assets divided? You know, you might be dividing rental properties or a partnership. partnerships
1: you might get, you know, if one of you was a partner in a company, um, you might be awarded that. And so anything like that that you get, you're just going to get the bases that your ex-spouse had. And it's taxable when those assets are sold.
0: Okay. So, just like with the home, if you get a rental property uh-huh. and you're just continuing to rent it out, when you go to sell it, you're going to get the purchase price that your ex spouse. That's correct. That's it. your basis. That's what you call your basis. And these things are really important during the divorce process, too, Mm -hmm. to know when you're kind of negotiating for what you want, Mm -hmm. um, because it's really important to put a value on those things, including taxes. Correct. What about if you are not awarded the house, if your ex-spouse stays, but they have to pay you out equity from the home or, you know, what would be the present? Day equity, that is not tax, that's right? That's not taxable. No,
1: that's not taxable. That's kind of just an agreement between the two of you.
0: Okay. So that's definitely an advantage because if you, you know, if that if you're getting half the equity in the home, but you're not having to sell that's it, pay taxes, just pay realtors. Kind of yeah, that's just getting some cash. And cash is not taxable. Mm-hmm. And same thing with cash accounts, checking accounts, those kinds of things. Yeah. Those things are not taxable even if it was in your ex-spouse's name only and you get awarded a portion of that. Mm -hmm. Now, last thing I want to touch on, and this has been so helpful. Every time I do a podcast with you, Jamie, I learn stuff and I love it. How about spousal support? Because that is always something that people are confused on. How is that taxed?
1: Well, effective January 1st of 2019, there was a big change, a big tax law change. So alimony is no longer... Taxable to the person receiving it. It's also no longer tax deductible to the person paying it, just like child support. Child support's always been like that. That's kind of an advantage if we go back and talk about the dependents, because all those dependent credits were based on your taxable income. They started phasing out if you made so much. So now your alimony is not recorded as income to you. Not taxable income. And those credits are based on taxable income. Okay. So if your ex-spouse is paying you $100,000 a year, that's tax-free. You don't pay a penny on that now.
0: Yeah. And that's great to know, especially because when I meet with people before their divorce is final or when it's just uh-huh. has been final, they're very concerned about that reduction in income. But if you're...
1: what well, if you get $100,000 tax free that's probably like making... Hundred, hundred and thirty, hundred and forty thousand 130 140000 taxable.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it doesn't count against those credits. So you have to count those as well. If you're now, if, if your
1: divorce was final before January 2019, that doesn't apply. It's still, still the old rules.
0: Well, this has been so helpful. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us. Any last thoughts or anything else that you want to mention for our listeners?
1: Oh, this might be silly, but just something also to remember is that your HSAs are transferable. So just something else to think about when you're doing your asset divisions.
0: Okay. And then I imagine those are not taxed? And they are not taxed. Nope, it is not a taxable event. Because more and more people are having HSAs and high deductible insurance plans. So definitely something else to consider. Also to remember to move over into your name if you've been awarded in your divorce decree.
1: Well, and if you're looking for new insurance, you know, based on your divorce, sometimes you shop through the marketplace and that is based on your tax return. So they do look at your taxable income when they figure out what you owe for health insurance. Okay. That's great. And I would just encourage the listeners not to feel overwhelmed right. with taxes. It's generally a scary thing for a lot of people, but
0: just, um, you know, that's what we're here to answer. And that's what we're here for too. Yeah, and so if you've gone through a divorce and mm-hmm. you're about to file or thinking about your status for filing and feeling overwhelmed, what I would mm-hmm. say to go back to your divorce decree to, to all that stuff should be in there. But then also to reach out to a CPA for assistance. Yeah. Just you know, there's no shame in that. Getting some help. Uh, I I also use a CPA. <laughs> even though I know enough to be dangerous on taxes. So I am going to go ahead and link Jamie's contact information in the show notes here so you can get a hold of her if you are looking for a CPA to help you. And I will also put your LinkedIn there so people can get a hold of you that way. And I will mention that Jamie does work remotely. So a lot of our listeners are here in Michigan, but if you're not local and you found this podcast helpful, Jamie, you have clients all over the country so they do
1: yeah well and speaking of that you know divorce rules are different from state to state but these all all the ones we've discussed today are not state specific well
0: thank you so much jamie it was so nice to have you here again and i'm sure we'll have you back in the future as well
1: i look forward to it
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. You can find more information on Melissa Friedenberg and Jackie Ressler on our website, www.pearlplan.com, as well as on our podcast website, www.wealthyafterdivorce.com.